Hello and welcome to the Mathematics Teaching Podcast. This podcast focuses on MT279, a special issue of Mathematics Teaching in which all the articles ask the authors to consider a new vision or maybe an alternative vision for mathematics education. I'm Tony Cotton, the editor of Mathematics Teaching, and I'm excited to be talking to Anne Watson, who wrote a piece in the issue simply entitled Care. Morning, Anne. How would you like to introduce yourself, assuming people know nothing about you? <laughs> okay, well, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm very retired now. For 13 years, I taught mathematics in secondary schools and in two secondary schools, and both of them were um, predominantly serving areas of social disadvantage um, in, um, uh, in the, yeah, in cities, really. Um, although perhaps the first one uh, was, it was a very progressive, comprehensive school, lots of progressive ideas. So there were lots of people who deliberately chose to send their children to this school who might have otherwise wanted them to go to grammar schools or something like that. Um, the second one was in a, a, a massive, what had been when it was built, a massive, massive social housing estate um, on the edge of a very prosperous city. And the children that came to that school were not in general from um, high aspirational backgrounds. So that's my, that was my teaching history. And then after that, I moved into academic life, trained secondary teachers, did research into the teaching and learning of mathematics, um, did that for the rest of my paid career. Um, but what concerned me throughout all those experiences was the mathematical experience of children who were not naturally going to flourish in mathematics. And in particular, probably, yes, in particular, early adolescence. It's, it's, it's interesting. So, so that sort of mirrors my, well, all of my experience. Um, and I'm always interested when I talk to people about people of our age, and I'm, I'm, I'm nearly retired. Um, and it feels like those early experiences, particularly in schools with learners who weren't going to be either immediately attached to mathematics or even see mathematics as something that they could be good at kind of carried through the whole of the rest of our careers and, and my my second school was seen as a very progressive school it taught all attainment classes in mathematics which was unheard of at the time um, it didn't cane children and th th when I started teaching um, th there were still kids were still caned for for misbehavior um, but what that's my experience in th those schools sort of still reminds me that different things are possible and so that when we're arguing for different approaches it's from it's from experience of those sorts of things being possible rather than just wishing for the for the impossible I mean has, has that period of teaching been the thing that still influences you now in terms of how you see education going forward? Well, I think the reason I came into teaching, because I hadn't ever planned to be a teacher, I saw teaching as 
something where you regimented children and made them learn things. But because of the first school that I, well, they kind of asked me to become a teacher. And because of their values, I became a teacher. And the values were um, equity, restorative justice, we would call it now, um, learning for everybody, um, mixed ability, all attainment teaching, um, nurturing. I remember, I remember we used to talk about the whole person, nurturing the whole person. Somebody had got a shop window dummy that had been cut in half in the middle. So we had half a person to remind us that we were educating the whole person. And, um, and, and that was, uh, there was a lot of emphasis on the creative arts. And there was also um, the, the beginnings of an entitlement curriculum that everybody did some science all the way up to um, 16. Everybody did this, everybody did that. There was an entitlement in the spread of um, curriculum offer before the national curriculum yeah. into, into practice. So, so it, it did influence me, but on the other hand, I wouldn't have been influenced. I wouldn't have been there if I hadn't had a fundamental belief in the equality of everybody and the, the potential in everybody looking for ways to teach mathematics that addressed that. You asked if it influenced me. Well, yes. Um, the second school I went to purported to have the same values, but didn't quite. So that got me questioning things. But also, since then, I've been thinking, well, you know, I can see things from both sides. I can see also that um, that can, if, if not carefully done, that can lead people to go with their first instincts. You know, I'd rather do art than maths if I've got a choice, that kind of thing. Mm. What is it about my subject that makes it important for everyone to, to study it? So the moves that various governments have made towards mathematics is important for everybody. I kind of, at that level of saying that, mathematics is important for everybody, I agree, but the way that that is put into practice, which limits what mathematics is, I disagree. Mm. So I'm kind of somewhere in between. I am concerned about everybody having mathematical, uh, mathematical power. And that does include, for instance, familiarity with numbers, such familiarity with numbers that you don't have to keep stopping and counting things yeah. in your fingers. So, so, I, so I, I understand that push, which comes from a different political direction than my own, but I do understand that push and I do understand what they see as important. And I also see some of those things as important. Which kind of takes us into the piece in, in MT279, which is just called Care. And the kind of headline out of that is, is the idea about caring for the whole learner, which you've talked about, and caring for mathematics, which, you, which you've talked about. And you, you just said to me that you don't kind of like revisiting uh, or talking about things you've written because they're kind of out there, there and written. Um, I, I would 
and you also I remember when you when when you submitted the piece me having asked you you said thank you to me for for making you do it because it wasn't something you'd wanted to wanted to do um maybe a way of thinking about it if you were to pick up somebody else's copy of, of the of the article and they they'd annotated it are there things in there that you would quite like to have seen underlined or yeah that, that people are taking out of it well um one one of you know maybe maybe we should say that this i'd, I'd written a whole book yes we should say that thought, if you thought that everything you wrote in the book was important, then when somebody comes along and says, can you write a shorter version of an article? You will know, actually. I, <laughs> and the reason I wrote the book was because there's a lot to say. So that's what was difficult. So the discipline of picking things out is a bit like what you've just asked me to do. Yeah. What are the bits that you'd like somebody to highlight? And I think that um, looking at the article, um, there is a chunk which talks about care for community, mm. care for um, mathematics, and care for learning through relationships. Now, it's interesting that I should alight on that chunk um, as, as a chunk that has things in it that I would like people to think were important, because that chunk didn't come from a vague memory of a progressive school that I was fortunate um, in. Yeah. It didn't come from that. It came from looking at what teachers who are teaching in indigenous communities are doing in their teaching to ensure that children in seriously disadvantaged contexts in their countries and historically disadvantaged contexts to see what they, what, what kind of teaching enables them to learn what I've called European heritage mathematics, which is the mathematics that is recognized internationally, that is tested internationally. Most countries have some kind of test to make sure that their children have this European heritage mathematics. And it's crazy to pretend that we don't have that. Yeah. You know, we're not going to go back ever to a time when somebody whose cultural mathematics is, is only about estimating quantities is ever going to be able to uh, participate in a sense of powerful citizenship in the world as it currently is. You, know, you, cannot, you cannot, for instance, feed the hungry if you allow some sectors of society in your country to get stuck in, I, I need a bowl of rice, he needs two bowls of rice, he eats more than I do, that kind of reasoning. You can't do that. You have to have, in order to wield, to be powerful, powerful as a citizen, powerful as a voter, powerful as an organiser of things on the ground, you have to be able to speak the language that the powerful people speak, mm. which is European heritage mathematics. That's a lesson from Gramsci um, about education. You, you actually need the knowledge and the ways of thinking that the people who have power over you have. Mm -hmm. So it comes from there. Um, the, uh, 
so the care for community, care for mathematics and care for learning through relationships is what teachers who are doing wonderful work in indigenous communities are doing that respects traditional ways of thinking and in fact recognizes that among those powerful ways of among those ways of thinking are some important ideas that we've lost in European heritage mathematics but nevertheless understand that these people that they're working with need to be able to also do European heritage mathematics um, I'll stop for breath there because I think I've opened up a couple of threads do, do you want to follow those threads or do you want me to follow the threads that, are, that have been opened up for me by what you were just saying? Well, you know, people can buy the book. It's Johnny Express. Yes. <laughs> or read the article, which is in MT. So yeah. There's a thread they want to follow. That's fine. But you're, you're, you're talking to me. So what are the threads that you... Well, the thing, some of the things I was immediately thinking about, and I, it, I, I'm... I think I said in an email or two, I'm particularly proud of this issue because it felt like there was all sorts of things that I've been working on for a long time that came through in other in other people's words. And as you were just talking, I was thinking about uh, the Jason Hunter and David Stinson piece about caring in math classrooms, lessons learned from black male students and a black male black male teacher. Um, and it was it was it was exactly that same sort of argument that, that there needs to be access to the to the school mathematics curriculum in order for you to be able to be successful in, in mathematics in order to gain power once you've left school or have access to power when you've left school. Um, but that that might come through caring for caring for and having under, understanding of the community within that within which that student is is learning and the community with that, that student is going going home to. And I wondered if that had resonated for you when you read, read that piece. Um, absolutely. And I think that this is where, you, you know, I, I try to bring different views together and I try to recognize the value in different views and see ways that they can be coordinated. But one of the places that I can't see that as possible is the difference between thinking this child has to leave their outside life, outside the classroom. And as they step through the classroom door, they become a different person. Yeah. There's that view. And there's the view that the child comes into the classroom and brings with them who they are. Yeah. And those don't seem to me to both be, be possible. Although I do think at the teachers who stand at the door of the classroom and greet each child by name as they come in, make it possible for the child to recognize a transition mm. between all the stuff that I have that is who I am and oh, coming into the maths classroom, these are the expectations, these are the ways that I'm supposed to behave and these are the ways that I hope the teacher will recognize me in yeah. the next classroom yeah I, I, again I remember you so years ago working in in Leicester there was a report called the Swan Report um, around multicultural education and one of the things that they said was that the child the child should not be expected to take the coat of their culture off when they entered the, the classroom yeah um and 
the the school that our, our our daughter went to the primary school our daughter went to i i ended up as chair of governors at that school and one of the one of the one of the first things in the staff handbook and one of the first things in this in the in the parent and student handbook people handbook was greet and be greeted and mm -hmm. so there was and it was lovely and it, it because everybody did say hello in the morning and you people and now with the school that my grand my, my grandsons go to um the, the fact that every morning when we arrive when I take them when I take them to school on a Friday the head teacher is there and says hello doesn't say hello to me acknowledges me but says hiya Felix hiya Tate how are you doing and, and they, mm -hmm. they beam at him and they off they go to their classrooms and it's and then they they're met by their teacher at their classroom doors so that straight away they're just part of a part of a community that has welcomed them again that, that morning and that's that's so important isn't it I think it is in the, in the second school that I taught in the head teacher would do that the head teacher would greet he'd be at the gate the main gate where most of the kids came in and he would greet them and he would know most of them by name yeah 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 and that's the, the piece that Marisa McKeith wrote about her experience in school. Um, so for PPP people who are listening, M Marisa uh, is in a wheelchair and she communicates by facilitated communication, which means that she points at letters on a, on a, on a, on a keyboard um, and her personal assistant or you, one, holds her hand because she can't point directly. So you kind of sense where she's, where she's pointing to. Mm. Um, and her experience of education for many years was being just sat in her wheelchair in a room on her own. Because people assumed because she couldn't communicate, there was kind of nothing going, going on. Um, and to cut a long story short, Marisa ended up with an English uh, literature degree at Nottingham Trent when I was at when I was at Nottingham Trent, but was literally kind of isolated and and not welcomed. But uh, whenever she's spoken to teachers about it which which she does in in, in workshops teachers suddenly realize how it was to do with not understanding it's not wasn't a deliberate exclusion people weren't thinking we want to make this young woman's life an absolute misery they just didn't know what to do um, yeah. and I think quite often when, when teachers come in contact with other otherness there's a sense of not knowing quite what to do with that and therefore ignoring it rather than, than working on it. I recognise that. And, you know, when, when you say um, how, how I've been influenced by working in those schools, certainly one of the ways that I've been influenced is dwelling possibly too much and sometimes in the small hours of the morning instead of sleeping, dwelling on where I know I didn't get things right. Yeah. Trying to identify the reasons why I didn't get things right. Not that I'm expecting teachers to always get everything right all the time. You don't. Um, but um, but certainly um, having children who are hearing impaired in my classroom. And in, in one case, just sort of letting the support, letting that person's one-to-one -one support person do everything and really not having not what's the word I'm looking for I think I think I I saw the relationship they had the child and the learning support assistant 
that's very close and very deep and very complex because they went together through the school all day, every day. And I felt as if I didn't really know how to start a conversation that stepped into that relationship. Mm. And the consequences, I have absolutely no idea. Mm. She enabled that child to turn their classroom experience into the learning of mathematics. Mm. No idea. Yeah. Taught that child for a year, and I jolly well should know. And I think also, um, I, I mean, throughout the book and throughout my writing and in other writing as well, talk about the importance of listening to learners. Um, but that doesn't just mean listening to what they say. And I think I must find a new word because obviously, and this was what struck me when I was reading the article about Marisa, which, by the way, I, I just, I mean, I, I just, when, when I read that, I, I wept, not just for Marisa, but I wept for the fact that the ATM in their journal had that article. Mm. How wonderful is that? Yeah. How many professional journals about mathematics teaching would have something like that in it? And yet it was really, really important. Mm. It's not just about listening to learners because that puts the responsibility on them to somehow articulate their experience. It's about walking in other people's moccasins, understanding yeah. what it's like to be another person and there's a lot of work which is done by um people in the in the visually impaired community for instance to who to try to help people do that and get that but it's not um so so it's fairly it's quite possible for teachers either in in their training programs if they're lucky go to a well-organized program um, or at some other time on their own or for some inset or something like that to get hold of that kind of help Mm. you learn what it's like to be centrally deprived in some way what's less possible is to think what's it like for a child who is not centrally um, different but who's in my classroom looking at my whiteboard, looking at my PowerPoints, listening to my words, watching what I do, listening to what I say, listening to what other people say. What's it like for them to be trying to make mathematical sense of all that? The detail, detail of mathematical thinking, the detail of the build-up of mathematical concepts, what is it like? Are they getting? Are they getting the stuff that they need in order to form the thing that I hope they will form? Mm. And if they're forming something else that I haven't anticipated, am I understanding that? Yeah. Why? How do I understand what they are forming from those experiences? And in order to do that, you need the care for mathematics, which is what you talk about, don't you? If you if you haven't got a care for mathematics and an interest in mathematics, um, it's very hard to even begin to answer those questions that you've just posed, because maybe you haven't even made those connections with the mathematics 
yourself. Yeah, and there's this lovely bit in, I think it's in um, a paper written by Amy Hackenberg that I refer to um, in the book, um, where she, or it might be no Noddings, but I rather think it's Amy Hackenberg, who talks about, you know, if I care about them and they see me caring about mathematics, then they're more likely to care about mathematics. Yeah. yeah. And, and very often what children see is not the teacher's care for mathematics, not their personal care for mathematics, but their personal worry about the child's mathematical learning. Yeah. Which isn't quite the same as them having a personal care for mathematics. Right. One last thing, because I've just looked at the time and I think we should pick winding things up. One of the things that I was pleased about in, in MT279 is that there seems to be a mixture of things that teachers could kind of pick up and run with. Fairly straightforward ways of thinking, OK, I could do that in my practice. I can have a think about my practice and, and maybe do it in that way. And then quite, quite deep discussions about philosophical approaches to teaching and learning and values in teaching and learning. Um, I wondered if you were hopeful about the future in terms of teacher agency, because it, it felt in, in the issue that there was a hopefulness there in the sense of there being things that teachers could do. But of course, we never know if that's going to have any impact outside of, outside of the, 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 the readership or um, so are, are you hopeful about the future for teaching and teachers? Do you think there's some agency out there? Gosh, that's a really difficult question right now when teachers are battling day to day with yeah. the absence of their colleagues and just trying to sort of dredge up at least some valuable educational experience for children who are traumatised and ill and terrified about climate crisis and everything. Uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> but apart from that... <laughs> But apart from that, I, I'm, I'm always hopeful because what else is there? Yeah. And, and actually, to go back to a previous question you asked about what bit of my article would you like to be highlighted? I think it would be the bit about the care for mathematics because it's so different to what um, Ofsted are saying is important mm -hmm. in the mathematics. What, what I say, and this comes from my observation, and I know that this resonates across all kinds of communities of teachers, and all kind, you know, I'm not the only person who thinks this. There are hundreds of mathematics teachers and teachers of mathematics who think this. And one is the use of language and dialogue, mm -hmm. and there is the coordinating of multiple meanings of things. Another is using verbs to describe and elaborate concepts instead of pinning everything down to nouns. And the other is the central role of spatial perceptions, balance, symmetry, pattern, position, and measurement. Of, of, that's how you use what people are, mm. what human beings actually are as, as organisms, if you like. This is what they do. They live in space. They move objects around, they balance, they, 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 they balance themselves, they look at pattern, they identify pattern, they understand where they are in the physical world, um, and they understand some sense of distance and so on. And, and, and if you're not drawing on that to learn European heritage mathematics, 
then you're not going to connect with learners and their learning. Thank you. That's been, that's been brilliant, Anne. I really enjoyed that. We were, we were both a little bit nervous starting this, but that's been, I've certainly enjoyed that as a, as a discussion. It's left me lots to think about when I, when I turn off. If people want to read the articles in full, and you should do, uh, log on to the ATM website, www.atm.org.uk. Um, join the ATM and then you'll get all these all, all the magazines as part of your membership. There are, there are five in a year. So thanks ever so much, Anne. Uh, it's, it's been great. Thanks, Tony. Thanks. Bye.